This is Brian Copeland talking, and welcome to this week's edition of Copeland's Corner, the Copeland's Corner podcast. Well, we are less than 100 days from Election Day, so I thought I would check in with political analyst Mark Curtis of MarkCurtisMedia.com and the Sunday Political Brunch to find out what is what in the world of politics. Good to have you back on the, on the podcast, man. Thanks for doing it. Great to be with you, Brian. You're right. Less than 100 days. This is, this is going to go fast. Okay, so should we be believing the polls right now? I mean, you know, in the past, I would believe the polls, but not after what happened in 2016. No, the polls are only a snapshot in time. If you take a poll today, that's what the public mood is today. Now, you can look at trends in polls over time. We can look at a poll from 30 days ago and 60 days ago and see how things are trending. But the poll today is not a predictor of what will happen on November 3rd. A lot can happen between now and then. Now, Trump is saying that, that, um, that there are secret Trump voters who are going to put him over the top. He's talking about the Bradley effect, you know, with Tom Bradley, uh, first African-American to run for governor of the state of California. Polls had him uh, on Election Day winning, and he lost. They said a lot of reason why was because people told pollsters they were voting for him when they weren't. They were afraid they would be called racist. The same as people, there are some people, Trump claims, who won't admit that they uh, will vote for him. So do you think that, uh, that there's a Bradley effect? And do you think that, that there are enough people to put him over the top? You know, there are a lot of problems with polling. And I think a, a lot of Trump supporters distrust the polling, basically because of what happened in 2016. Uh, people in rural areas are generally underpolled. Um, people uh, in lower socio socioeconomic status are underpolled because a lot of them don't have landline telephones. So, you know, there, there are different disparities out there. So, you know, I, I suspect there are some people that when they get called by a pollster, they don't want to publicly say that even though they're not being named that they're supporting Donald Trump. So there may be some of that out there, whether it's enough to put them over the top. I don't know. Um, he is running, a lot of people are saying he's running the, the 1968 presidential campaign. You know, he's, he's running on law and order. He is trying to stoke uh, racist fears in white suburban areas, you know, saying that basically I'll make sure that those people don't move in and destroy the suburbs. Um, tell me what the difference is. I'm not old enough to remember it. And I know you're, well, I don't, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the 68 campaign or not. But oh, I remember, the, I, I remember it very well, but I'll, I'll, I remember the society too in 1968. Look, the, the, uh, the society and, uh, a lot of white voters in 2020 are far more accepting of African-Americans and supportive of them. You look at some of the recent demonstrations, we'll, we'll bear that out. Uh, it is a, a far different cry in this country from 1968. You know, the thing I always point out to people to, to, to delineate that I don't think this country is as racist as a lot of people portray is that Barack Obama got more white voters when he ran in 20 or 2008 than John Kerry did in 2004, and then Al Gore got in 2000. Barack Obama, an African-American, got more white voters than the two white candidates that preceded him. I think that speaks volumes. And I think the fact that uh, Joe Biden's very seriously considering um, an African-American female or a woman of color as his running mate tells you that they know that we've broken a lot of barriers in this country and a lot of that division is gone. 
All right, well, let's talk about who Biden should pick. Uh, I mean, uh, based on his, his short list of five, who brings the most to the table? I mean, usually it's, it, uh, you've told me in the past, usually it, it uh, benefits the candidate to pick a running mate from a state that, uh, that they might have trouble delivering otherwise. But I don't see anybody here who, who can help Biden in that particular way. Oh, I, I beg to disagree. I think my number one pick, if I was him, was a Congresswoman Val Demings of Florida. Uh, she's African-American. She's been uh, in the House of Representatives. She is a career law enforcement officer, including uh, being police chief of the Orlando Police Department, a major metropolitan police department. Look, law enforcement is going to be a big issue this year. Mm-hmm. Plus, she's from Florida, and Florida's up for grabs again this year. And could she tip Florida to Biden? and away from Trump, who won it last time, I think it's a very strong possibility. I think you have to look at Mayor uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms in Georgia because, again, Georgia's another state that's kind of purple these days. It's not as red as it once was. And um, could she help carry the state of uh, Georgia and be a spoiler and bring her own state? I think she's one of the leading candidates as well. I don't see Susan Rice. I don't know what she brings to the table other than a lot of Benghazi baggage from, from eight years ago, and that's just not going to serve Biden well. I don't think Kamala Harris is the pick because uh, she may get to be attorney general. Watch for that. But I, you know, I think the Democrats win California either way. So I think what Biden has to do here is be strategic and pick a running mate that can also bring her state along with it into the Democratic camp. You know, there's some pundits who've said that what what he should do is name his entire cabinet right now say exactly who he's going to nominate for what position because we have been in such an era of instability over the course of the last four years that this will give people comfort. What do you think about that idea? Oh, I'm one of those pundits that wrote about this as long as six months ago. And then I wrote again more recently when he became the apparent nominee. I think, you know, if you're going to be a a head football coach in the NFL and you want to name your entire coaching staff, you do that to try and bolster your support and tell people you're for real. It's never been done before. Uh, You know, I think one of the the most famous presidential promises of all time was when Ronald Reagan said, if elected, he would name the first female chief justice in the U.S. Supreme Court. And of course, he made good on that promise. So I think there's precedent for this. But, uh, you know, it, it's, I think it stands to reason. That's why I put Kamala Harris's name out there as a potential attorney general. And maybe Susan Wright is your secretary of state. The point is, if you field your team, because I think there's, look, there are underlying doubts out there about Joe Biden and his health and his competence. And I think if you put the whole team on the playing field and let everybody know and be very transparent about who's going to do what job in your administration, that would bolster a lot more confidence in him, I think. Uh, You mentioned Ronald Reagan, and when Ronald Reagan was running against Jimmy Carter, um, one of the the mantras of his campaign was, are you better off now than you were four years ago? And I've always thought of that anytime there was an incumbent running for re-election since then. And I've actually used it. You know, yeah, I'm better off, or no, I'm not, or I'm the same, or no harm's been done, so I'll vote for him. Do you think that that is, is a philosophy that is still in play? Do people still think about that? You know, are you better off and, than you were? And are people going to be voting their pocketbooks this time? It was a very interesting tactic, and I think Reagan was a brilliant politician, whether you agree with his philosophy or not, or his his politics or not. I think he was a brilliant tactician, and for that very reason, because his question paused people to reflect and look at themselves. Most candidates are saying things like, look at me, look at me, look what I did, look what I did, whereas 
Reagan turned voters introspectively to look at their own lives. And most people that asked that question said, no, we, you know, it wasn't just that the hostages were taken in Iran. We had double digit inflation, double digit unemployment, double digit interest rates. And most people looked at their pocketbooks and said, no, I am not better off than I was four years ago. So I have a feeling that Biden, Biden is going to take something out of the Reagan playbook and, 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 and try and do that. And, you know, look, if this election was held last November, I think Donald Trump would have been a slam dunk for re-election. The economy yeah. was crooked. The markets were hot. We had the highest employment in this nation in 50 years. But the economy is what drives the election. And unfortunately for President Trump, COVID-19 is not just a health care issue or a political issue. It's an economic issue. And you look at historic unemployment right now, people, you know, they're debating in Congress right now how much uh, unemployment money is going to be available to people. People are feeling very insecure. They don't know when they're going to go back to work. They don't know if their kids are going to go to school. And unfortunately, that bodes badly for any incumbent, whether it's Donald Trump or anybody else. Let's uh, quickly take a look at, at uh, a couple of the Senate races. Uh, we talked about Susan Collins of Maine the last time that you were on, and you, you thought that um, you said that you, know, you think she's gonna, going to be reelected. Um, according to the most recent polls, she's down by five points. And then there was this devastating ad that the Lincoln Project uh, has put out. Did you see this ad that they put out? No, uh, I'm not. Oh, it's, 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 look it up. After we talk, go look it up. It's just a devastating ad. The Lincoln Project, a group of, of Republicans, including George Will, who are working very, very hard to get Democrats elected and to make sure that Trump is not reelected. Um, so do you still think that Susan Collins is, uh, is, 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 gonna, is a, a lock for reelection? She's five, she's five points down. And the, the gist of this ad is, is that she's not this moderate that she claims to be. Well, I think the big story to watch on election night, and this, this blindsided us back in 1980, and I know we talked a lot about Ronald Reagan in this interview. Uh, people saw that coming within days of the election. They knew it was turning against Jimmy Carter. The one thing the pundits and the pol political operatives never saw that night was the Republicans taking over the Senate on the heels of uh, Reagan's huge coattails. And I think there's a danger here for the Republican Party that many, uh, maybe marginal uh, incumbents, including Susan Collins, um, could lose this election because if there's a groundswell for Biden, just like a lot of incumbent Democrats, I mean, George McGovern lost his seat, Birch Bayh, and uh, Gaylord Nelson, and other legendary Democrats got wiped off the map in 1980 because Ronald Reagan's coattails were so huge and so sweeping. I think, again, you could lose Susan Collins and some other Republicans the mm -hmm. same way this time around. Mark Curtis, markcurtismedia.com, and the Sunday Political Brunch. Always a pleasure to have you on, and we'll be talking to you again soon. All right, Brian, good to hear from you. All right, thanks, my friend. God bless. This is the part of the podcast that we call Headliners on the Headlines. Joining me here on the podcast, comedians Chris Riggins, Julia Jackson, Jesse Egan, uh, and hopefully Bob Sarlat will be joining us shortly. Uh, well, good to have everybody. Everybody's healthy. Nobody's got COVID. Everybody's fine. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yep. Feeling great. Uh, we were talking uh, off the air just now about uh, it was reported this morning that Herman Cain died uh, and that in all likelihood, Herman Cain caught COVID at the Tulsa rally that uh, that Trump held. You know, he uh, didn't socially distance. He didn't wear masks. We, and all that was basically encouraged by by the promoters of the rally. 
uh, and uh, he he was sitting with a group called Blacks for Trump, or as I call uh. it, Deer for the NRA, as I call it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but but it's like you know what uh, what responsibility do you think that um, you know there are people who are listening to Trump and people who are listening to Fox News that either this is a hoax or you take this other you know bogus drug that he continues to push that's from malaria and they die from it do you think that that the uh, fox news and, and 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 trump and the proponents of this stuff and of this misinformation have any responsibility or is it up to you because you're choosing to believe them oh it's it's a double-edged sword it's a little bit of both it's like yeah they have responsibility to not lie but at the same time, you have to do the extra research. Like It's like I tell people all the time, we have this great big internet and people cannot seem to get out of this one corner that they're in. And so, yeah, it's a choice. And yeah. the selection will always win out. I was saying off the off the air too, it's, it's a, I think it's a confirmation bias thing with with the Fox News of people saying they, they're telling me what I already believe. I, I already want to buy this. Mm-hmm. I already want to believe this. So, I'm buying into it rather than look at any other news source. It's like, let's just uh, follow this because it tells me what I already, you know, feel. There are some just some heartbreaking stories. I was reading a story about the I was telling you guys off the air about this 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 guy whose whose grandfather was one of those 24 hour a day Fox News guys. Well, that's all he watched was Fox News all the time, and he believed Fox News and believed Trump that it was, uh, in fact, a hoax, that the coronavirus is a hoax that's being perpetrated by the Democrats in order to hurt Trump's chances of re-election. So he just ignored everything, didn't socially distance, didn't wear masks, just went about his life, and he caught, he caught the virus, and now he's dead. Yeah. You know, and there are a lot of those stories, and, it, and it's, it's older people. The Fox News has got an older demographic. And actually, when you look at those who support uh, Trump, basically, you've got a, 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 an older demographic. Um, my question is, does Black Lives Matter still apply to Herman Cain at this point? <laughs> I have questions. I was going to say, did it did it ever? Because yeah. I mean, and the reason I say did it ever is I, I don't know where he stood on that. I mean, we saw Mitt Romney marching. You know, with, with Black Lives Matter. Do you do you know of any any statement Herman Cain made one way or the other? No, I just like to point out the fact that, you know, it's it's like I, I on one hand, I've I've studied Herman Cain and I respect what he did as a as a as a businessman, a businessman. And, and growing as a black man. that was raised in the South. He married a black woman like he did every right thing that a black person should do, except for he bought into the lie that somehow he was different, that he was accepted, exceptional, you know what I mean? Beyond yeah. a, a, a what we are. And yeah. so now when he dies, it's just funny because I've actually seen several right wing people ask, where's Black Lives Matter at now? And it's like, yeah, we're over here. We got other things to do. Like, and the cops, still- did, the cops didn't give him the virus. No, that's what Black Lives Matter <laughs> is. You. you know, the police. This, part- yeah, this, this may prove that the uh, black that the covid is racist because it picked the one black guy at the Trump rally and killed him. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Um, you have signs of saying now because things are so bad, and especially here in California, which is where we're recording this. You know, we're leading the nation now in infections and in deaths in California. That what needs to happen in America is we need to completely reset 
how we're dealing with this, meaning that we need to start from the beginning. We need to shut the entire country down for like three weeks or for a month. We need to socially distance, wear masks, and, and that will flatten the curve. Do you think that that's too extreme or do you think that's what we need to do? That's, that's what we should have done the first time. Isn't yeah. that what is so for me, in other countries? Yeah, I th- it is. In our country, I think that's what we need. Yeah. Um, that's what it should have happened the first time. And if it wasn't that particular thing, the, the, the point is there, there, there is no unified federal response. Um, there's, there's no, no leadership. There's nothing. No. So, you know, the guy's got blood on his hands. I think it's amazing he's spending more time trying to discredit, you know, the scientists and Dr. Fauci and everything than actually dealing with it, you know. You know what cracks me up? Speaking of Fauci, did you see Fauci throw out that first pitch? Oh, God. Look, yeah. okay. would you expect anything but different? Hey, okay, but here's the thing. That one. Here's the thing. So Trump says that he um, had to cancel on the Yankees to throw out a first pitch. And <laughs> the, the Yankees are going, wait, what? <laughs> That's what happened. Him. He made it up because they because he, he was jealous because Fauci got to do it. He made it up. They never asked him. They never right. invited him. <laughs> so he made it up. Coach. We had the pettiest president ever. So petty. And Amazing. it's like you know what? I had to cancel too, guys. I was going to throw out the first pitch, oh, and I just God. I just unfortunately don't have the time. I got to <laughs> golf. I'm out here. I'm out here fighting Corona by my with my bare hands. <laughs> Um, he is trying really, really hard right now to scare people in the suburbs into thinking that black people are going to move in to their neighborhoods if uh, if Biden is elected. He, there was a tweet he put out yesterday about uh, they're going to build low income housing in places in, in the beautiful suburbs. You know, if you elect Biden and it's yeah. all this same Who told him our plan? crap that was going on in 1968. <laughs> that is our plan? Brian, do you get the memo? <laughs> they already got that memo. That's why they live in the suburbs in the first place. Like you don't your, need to double down on the fear. Check your black Twitter account. It's in there. <laughs> do you think it'll work? Do you think it'll work? Uh, it worked the first time, but I don't know. Just... That was 68, but now you got white people marching for Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's a, it's a different time. I mean, people are, yes, there's still racism, there's still institutional racism, but, the, but don't you think that people are more inclusive now than they were when, when Nixon did this in 68? Definitely. definitely. I definitely think yeah. money is definitely a bigger, green is definitely a bigger color than anything right now. So, mm-hmm. and the cyber world has enabled us to sneak into getting money without showing our face. So therefore, we can move into places like that. You know, um, I think it's it's a fair tactic. It's the same things that he did four years ago, using fear, people's fears to, well, using actually outdated fears, because I don't even think yeah. white people are scared of that anymore. Yeah. Like, we're trying to move back in their neighborhood. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, let them move out here. We're trying to move back to West Oakland and in Hunter's Point. We, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, he had a couple tweets that were like that, like from the 50s or something, right? He's like, all you yeah, housewives. Right. You're gonna be <laughs> watching Mad Men again, and I, I don't know. It's like, what? What is he talking about? He's like, he's like Edward James almost in American Me. Remember, he'd been in prison so long, yeah. <laughs> he didn't know that the Italians weren't selling heroin in East LA anymore. <laughs> That's got to be embarrassing. All of you housewives vacuuming with your pearls. Don't worry, you can clutch them. Um, yeah. 
we've had a lot of, of monuments and things that have been coming down over the course of the last uh, the last month, month and a half. A lot of, of racists and uh, racist theme thing. For example, they're getting rid of Aunt Jemima. Finally, mm-hmm. they're getting rid of Uncle Ben. Finally, no you know, racism Robert, in breakfast. Robert E. Lee, you know, statue came down. Have you heard about the the, the controversy in Placerville? You heard about this one. What's that? Okay, Placerville uh, is a town that is uh, up near Sacramento. It's mm-hmm. about ten about ten miles from Sutter's Mill, which is where the California Gold Rush started in the eighteen forties. And back in Placerville, um, during the Gold Rush, you had a lot of of, of outlaws who would show up and and you know you know rob people and shoot somebody over a poker game and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And in Placerville, they didn't mess around. You did something like that. They they had an oak tree and they took you out and they hung you. Mm. So Placerville got the got the nickname a uh, Hangtown. So the graphic design of the municipal logo for the city of Placerville is a a flatly painted cartoon-like image of a bearded man who's panning for gold, and behind him is a giant oak tree dangling a noose. Good lord. Dangling a noose. And there are people who are saying that this needs to, you know, this needs to go. We've got to redesign this. And others who are saying you're trying to erase our history. What I mean? <laughs> it's always the history. I mean, I'm sure we'll have new monuments to horrible history in the next four years. <laughs> when, when he, if he gets back in, he'll build. Uh, I'm sure. But, How many black people live in Blasterville? What well, an unbelievable logo, though. That reminds me of like the flayed man in in, in like a uh, Game of Thrones. It's like the guy's, <laughs> the guy's flag is like a upside down crucified burnt human being. It's like that. That's what we better hold on to, right? I don't know if I could be mad if they were hanging everybody equally. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is it, it wasn't. It wasn't racist lynching. It, it was still lynching, but it wasn't racist lynching. It was, it was, you know, if you, you know, uh, they gave a couple examples, you know, some, some guy, uh, robbed a guy of his gold dust and shot him to death. And so they, they gave him a quick trial and then took him out and hung him. They didn't, there's no appeals. There's no messing around. And basically they just, it was like China, China, they don't mess around China. You get convicted of something. They take you out and shoot you and and then send your family a bill for for the six cents for the bullet. But yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think that's the best part of China. Like I wouldn't put that on the Chinese flag. You know what I mean? No, right, right. There's a difference that's, between acknowledging and celebrating, you know, right? And there's different ways of keeping that history without putting it on the damn city logo. Yeah, that's not the history I would want to like cling on to. Like, remember when we tortured and hung everybody for no reason? Ah, <laughs> uh, better days. Let's get back to that. <laughs> what What are you doing? Like, that's just. I don't. I don't even understand that sort of uh, mentality of like let's let's really preserve all the worst uh, worst in us, you know. Well, there's so many uh, so many schools right now that are dealing with the issue of whether or not they need to change their names because of how um, how racist or racist attitudes uh, that were prevalent in the in the personalities of the person the school was named after. A perfect example is they're stripping Woodrow Wilson's name. Off of a bunch of stuff, and you know Woodrow Wilson was an open racist. You know mm. Woodrow Wilson. You guys ever see the Birth of a Nation? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, he showed the birth of a nation at the White House and said the best part about it was if you've never seen the birth of a nation, it's the Ku Klux Klan Klan stuff. Yeah. Yeah. During during Reconstruction, the Ku Klux Klan rides in and restores order and saves everybody. Mm. Saves everybody from from the from the the villain in it is the evil mulatto is what they call him the villain. Yeah, <laughs> evil, uh. evil. My favorite scene in that movie because it's so just ridiculous. There's not a black person in the movie, by the way. It's all white people with blend black face with carpet on their heads. That's funny. <laughs> all one of think... my exes, the evil mulatto. <laughs> and 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 they're and they're apt. And so so my this is my favorite scene in the Birth of a Nation. There, the the black people have taken over the state house, and they're debating a bill. And one guy's got a chicken wing in his hand as oh, he debates no. the bill. And they pass one law, and the law is for black men to be able to have sex with white women. And then they go running out of the courthouse to find a white woman to be with. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the birth of Sounds so accurate. So, so they show this. So Woodrow Wilson shows this at the White House and says the best part about it is it's all true. It's history written with lightning. So that's mm. the the we know it's not true because no no bill like that would pass without them tacking on a whole bunch of pork to it right They'd be like, <laughs> we also want to give raises to the rich <sighs> okay now it goes through you know they're not going to just pass that law that would never happen uh what an insane thing i think that birth of the nation thing is definitely going to be mine for the next uh stephen miller written speech by for trump you know <laughs> what do you mean it's gonna be your mind right yeah. like a campaign of uh remember the good old days with woodrow wilson when the clan rode in and saved us that's what i'm gonna do in 2020 okay now, uh, <laughs> now, now looking at a flip side of this of, of wilson is there are some people who want franklin roosevelt's name taken off the school's name named after him and the reason being is because he didn't support anti-lynching legislation there's actually anti-lynching anti-lynching legislation. And the reason that he didn't support it was because he knew he couldn't get it passed. He knew that the Southern senators weren't going to pass it. It wasn't going to happen. You know what, Brian? I would just prefer them to stop systematic racism. Can we just stop with all these gestures? Give me a little school names. I don't care. Just stop systematic racism. Like I'm pretty sure the people asking for all this stuff are not the black people. We're pretty much like, yo, guys. We don't care about the names. Oh, cool. You're going to paint Black Lives Matter on the street? Dope. That's awesome. But how mm. about we stop systematic racism? Nope. Nope. Oh, oh, you're going to take oh, inch of my mouth about it. Okay. Look, guys, uh, you know, it's just, I'm just tired of gestures. So these are yeah. petty, petty gestures. I think we got Bob Charlotte back. Bob, you there? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, welcome. We're, we're, we're talking about just you know all this changing of, of of names of schools and things because the the person the school is named after is racist. Perfect example: uh-huh. Nathan Bedford High School. There are two or three of those in the South, and and, and Nathan Bed, Nathan Bedford Forest High School, and he's the guy that founded the Ku Klux Klan. And there are there are black students who did you see? Remember the Titans? Yes. Yeah. yeah, well, the school that remember the, the guy that remember the Titans uh, is named after was a big segregationist who was against integration and against integrating the schools. T.C. Williams, I think his name is. That's the school. Mm. Remember the Titans is from. So, so, um, so Chris, Chris is saying that these are just empty gestures and just you know 
forget about it and deal instead with institutional racism. I mean, I would have an issue with my kid going to a school named after a segregationist. And what do you think, Bob? You think it's much you do about nothing? You know, I, I'm kind of with Chris on this, only that it, it, the empty gestures are passing for real gestures. You know what I mean? And I and I and I'm with him on that because it's like, yes. although it's it, it's that middle ground it's the difference between saying just end systemic racism and the gestures. It's that little middle part nobody's doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, uh, um, yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, it's the difference between saying I love you and showing I love you. Mm. Yeah, that's that's yeah. right. <laughs> you mean they're not the same thing? Well, because you know what? I, I think so. Isn't that so because it, uh, we're. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a lot easier to do virtue signaling than it is to change anything, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I mean, honestly, if you really want to just go all the full length, let's just change the name of America back to whatever the Native Americans called it. If you really want to get, well, okay, we're changing names of racist things. Okay, let's just change the name of the country that you stole and renamed. Right. So you say rename nothing? Like, like, like for example, you think it's a good idea that the Redskins are finally going to, to change their name? To the Washington, to the I mean, Washington football team. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that was my that's my team too, and that's just uh, yeah, that's kind of that's nice pathetic. gesture. It really, thank you. Let's well, so make it here. Thirty years, like, years later, <laughs> Bob, you were saying? Yeah, I, I, I think I think the Redskin thing is a good thing because that's been brewing for so long that finally doing something that actually seems like something uh, after a while because. They were they were going back and forth, not changing, not doing it. On the other hand, now you've got there's one high school girl I think I, who was really made a lot of sense when she said, "Hey, look, you, you can uncover something about everybody, and the longer we do that and not get to what Chris is talking about, makes it pass for doing something, you know." And, and I, I, I I'm agreeing with that. It's like you know, do what you say you're going to do. Stop the empty gestures. And we we hear about the empty gestures. From you know from all, all the Karen stuff and all the stuff on video, there's still a lot of limousine liberal stuff out there that's got to go. You know, I, yeah. I actually my daughter works for a company where she's the diversity expert, and she's been reading. I'm getting smart here. I, I read the, the 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 white fragility book. Uh, did you you've heard about this? Yeah, it's, it's number one in the country, and it's not it's not the be all and the end all of everything, but it's pretty good. Uh, I really enjoyed the, the chapter where she said, you know, no more white girl tears. You know, <laughs> you, know you know what I mean? White girl my tears. Day, what are white girl tears? What do you mean? What do you mean? White, by white girl tears, tears are they they they, they, they just detract and distract from the point because all of a sudden everybody in the room has got to start. You know, uh, you know, kissing up to the white girl who's crying because racism. I think that's also a new. That's also a new essential oil at uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. I I got it. I got it. That sounds like my whole dating life. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, Another sports uh, sports topic. Um, So far now, we've got at least seventeen players and coaches for the Marlins who tested positive for COVID. Um, the Phillies, their umpiring staff, their stadium staff are waiting for results from their test because of their interaction with the Marlins. Uh, the Yankees are in lockdown before heading to Boston. And there are two articles in this morning's Washington Post. One is calling this a delusional experiment, and the other is saying that, that this needs to end. They, they need Major League Baseball needs to realize that you don't have games during a pandemic. So thoughts. Do you think that they should end this this truncated season? See. No, keep it going and have Trump throw out that pitch after all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
in the in the I, words I, of the of the majority of the players, C. C. <laughs> <laughs> Do not have this season. Is it baseball is boring as it is? You really gonna make it? No, like no, I, I love baseball, but you're gonna sit three hours in a park with a but. Yeah, no, empty, no, I'm cool. Empty seats too. Empty yeah. with, well, I, I think it's one of those ones because there's so much money at stake. It's like, all right, we'll give you one more chance. You know, I I think it's. I think it's fewer. Uh, although, hey, how about the NBA guy that stopped at, at a strip joint on his way home from the basketball game? That was a good move. Did you see that one? The uh, oh, NBA wait, guy. I don't know that story. No, what's that story? Um, oh, I, I don't have it, It's Lou something. I think he played for the Lakers, uh, but not anymore, though. But anyway, on his way back from <laughs> the basketball thing, instead of going straight home, he stopped at a strip joint, strip, strip club, which kind of screws <laughs> up things a little bit, you know. Slightly, <laughs> he, he didn't stay in his bubble. Wow. When are they shutting down the yeah, strip right. club for COVID? Why that's is the question. strip club open? That's what. I'm... Yeah. Why is that open? Are they wearing <laughs> masks? Feet away. Feet away. Are they social distancing <laughs> from their laps? Well, no, any... it's essential services. If there's any proof they don't care about he, women, he said that. he stopped there to get something to eat. Um, <laughs> well, well, strip clubs in the south. Fantastic. Strip clubs in the south got good food. Okay, that's that's there's a lot. I, I don't know. No, the culture is different down there. Like, I know people that they go to the strip club for lunch because it's got the best wings. That's the only reason. Okay. All right, I'll take some breast and wings. Well, you got me, yeah. I'll, take, I'll take a couple of breasts and wings, some wings, cars. I have never been, you guys ever been to a Hooters? I've never been to a Hooters. It's di- disappointing, yeah, it's okay. very disappointing. Is it the it's food? Not, yeah, it's it. The food is disappointing, and then it's just got this air of like they don't really sell what they advertise. You know what I mean? Like, I went to the one in Atlanta and they should have called it booties because it was a lot of butt, but not a lot of hooters. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, it's hooters are meant to be owls with really big breasts. That's what they mean. (laughs) It's owls. Jesus. Yeah. It's another real throwback thing, I think. That's that would be like Another the next uh, Trump tweet is going to be all you housewives going to Hooters every night to have wings. You're going to be loving it in the suburbs with no low income housing. What? (laughs) What year is it? Have your wings with a side of poverty. (laughs) Uh, Last topic. Um, AMC, AMC, the the largest uh, movie chain in the country and Universal Pictures have cut a deal where movies are going to go to digital platforms in 17 days now. Right now, from the time the movie's released, it's 60 to 75 days. They're going to knock it down to 17. So do you think that that's that again, this is the the question that people have been debating for a, a couple of months now. Do you think movie theaters are over? I mean, Man. sounds like it when you say I that. Think, I didn't know that. I think bootleggers are. Well, well, I think it was on its way anyway, Brian, because every time you saw a first-run movie reviewed in the paper, you go, I'm going I'm to go see that. It was only there for a week anyway, a lot of times. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like a huge change, but it, it does seem to put them out of business, don't you think? I think, I think it's so. a bummer. I love going to the movies. I can't, I you know, too. I was looking forward I'm, to that. I'm more worried about the guy who sells his DVDs at the Walmart parking lot. How's it going to affect his bottom line? Like, you know, I support local business and I don't want to see him hurt because AMC is already $400 just to go see a movie. So, you know, I mean, I'm not sad that they're not going to be open. I mean, the floors are sticky. The bathroom smell. I'm, you know, I'm vintage. Yeah, Yeah, but but you can still buy Kit Kats for $5,000. Isn't that kind of cool? They don't care about the environment. 
You buy a box of candy, it has a bag with the candy in it on the inside of the box. Like, just give me the bag. Why Why are you people making this, you know? Yeah. Well, I, for me, I'm sad. Just, it's, I, I love going to movies, but again, we're losing more communal experiences. Yeah. yeah that is sad. Because it is different to see a comedy, you know, in your house than it is to see a comedy. At the theater, man. Yeah. You know, it, it, well, geez, it by the way, guys and gals, I, do you think everything you get now on Gold Star, who wants to pay anything to see virtual comedy? It just, I mean, does anybody want to go to any of that stuff? I don't. No. I run a couple yeah. of shows. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think I run a couple of virtual. I mean, truthfully, they're doing pretty good because uh, people just mm-hmm. people. What it is is people turn on their computers, they turn off their screen, and it's really just kind of like background for them to do whatever they're doing at the house. And they're just able to laugh. It's like throwing on a podcast or throwing on, uh, you know, like that's kind of how I approach doing the show. It's like I'm doing a podcast where I have to time myself and make sure my punchlines hit because it's not necessarily all because also there's a delay. So the laughs come delayed. But if you know what you're doing, I play some music. Some comedians are using the background screens to do like a late night, you know, type set where mm-hmm. they show pictures and then they make a joke about the picture mm-hmm. and then they switch. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all kinds yep, of ways yep. to do it. Uh, yeah. I think what it is, is just because we are losing those communal experiences. You got to adapt or, or die. Mm. You know, right. I, I want to hit right. the stage, too. I love standing on the stage from people. But right now, this is what I got. Yeah. I mean, they're going right. yeah. it, it, to you. It's we're looking at at least. At least six to eight months before we're able to perform again in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. At least, it's definitely not going to happen this year. You know, no <laughs> venues are going to are going to allow any comedy shows. It's just outdoor or, shows. They're like the comedy uh, store here was doing it. You know, and the ACC here in San Diego, they're doing shows like in on the street, basically in front or behind their yeah, behind their club. Cool. You know, and what so. are they doing? And people are sitting six six. Yeah, six they feet they, they they yeah they distance the seats and they only have so many. You know, people, but they're trying. Even that's kind of, you know, even that's kind of, everything just seems so freaking dangerous. That's all, you know, that's all. Yeah. Well, it's harder to catch the virus outside, they say. Right. And it's it's harder to do a show outside. I mean, I don't know if you guys have done Comedy Day before. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, you know, it's it's difficult to do a show outside Pack. I was saying the only thing left in comedy now is all the horrible corporate gig kind of shows that we used to. I mean, I hated. Oh, come to my backyard and perform in front of my right and my yep. and my rich wife. I mean, those are the gigs I always hated doing, and that's the only thing left really at this point. It's like, you know, yeah, performing yeah. the alley. No. Do you think that it will that that it will come back and, and and be the way that it was? I mean, once you know, once the 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 vaccine is found and there's herd immunity, do you think that we'll go back to the way it was, or do you think it'll never go back to the way it was? Never. Really, it'll probably be uh, different, nothing. but I think there'll be new clubs that will open. I think a lot of the yeah. old clubs might might really suffer being closed this long. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing that changes will ever be the same. So we've hit a change. This is our change and it's yeah. not going to go back. And honestly, I don't, I feel like this is a new era. This is like, you know, the chance for the, the gates to the gatekeepers so-and-so to be broken down because now they don't have the power that they had at once before. That's why I love, you know, the mm-hmm. online shows. Like I'm getting a bigger following doing these zoom shows than I was going to different clubs throughout the Bay Area, throughout the nation to mm-hmm. do a weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
I will tell you, you that, that's a good point. I think one of the things that you're thinking about that won't happen again are those like lines of 50 people waiting to get five minutes at the punchline on a Sunday. That doesn't yeah. seem like that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I will uh, tell you this in, in line with what Chris was just saying, and that is, you know, the, the, the biggest hit on Broadway in decades is Hamilton. And Hamilton, every performance sold out, you know, uh, in New York on Broadway, as well as the touring shows. There were several touring shows in Chicago and San Francisco, and they were all sold out. And the shows were running for a couple of years without without a, sim- a single empty seat. Well, now they they mm-hmm. they put that show on uh, on Disney Plus, and Lin Manuel Miranda was saying that it's fascinating that more people have seen it on Disney Plus than all of those other performances combined. Yeah. Even though it's sold out everywhere, more people have seen it on Disney Plus on their laptop than have seen it in all those shows combined. And that's that's a, a, it's a trip. because the tickets, you need to take a mortgage out to get them. Exactly. (laughs) You gotta wait 10 years to get a ticket. Then you gotta take out a mortgage to have it. Then you gotta sacrifice the firstborn child. They ask for your kids' pictures and their school just in case you don't have the money. You know what I mean? It's a lot like buying drugs. So honestly, I understand why. I still haven't seen it. You know, yeah, you I mean, actually have to duel a colonial wig wearing dude just to get a ticket now. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible. Hey, you mentioned school. About Bob and I have 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 grown kids, but some of you have kids who are school age. Um, is schools just around the corner, and Trump and the Trump administration are continuing to push for schools to open. And I believe in 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 one of the Republican the Republican version of the coronavirus bill, they've got some provision in there to force schools to open or to lose funding. Are you willing to send your kid to school? No, it's a tough one. I would no not. way I would. If <laughs> I don't no want to be at home with my kids anymore, but I don't want to send them to school like that. <laughs> I mean, and that's just because I know how nasty, yep. um, you know, how nasty kids, kids are. are. They're mm-hmm. nasty. Yeah. They're just gross. Mm-hmm. They are. They're nasty. When I when I was my kids when they were between kindergarten and third grade. Um, I have never been more sick in my life more times in between when they were in kindergarten and third grade because they would catch everything going around and they'd bring it home and I That's would right. get it. Mm. That's right. And, and you know what? You hate to get in this whole thing. We don't trust anybody. But people that are working in schools, I mean, how good was the janitor you had when you were in class? <laughs> <laughs> how good are they going to be? He was Please good at selling up. weed. I, I know I that. Know. <laughs> he was good at that. <laughs> and we're supposed to trust him to sanitize the place good enough for our kids to be in there. As if, no, not, as if the kids aren't going to be picking their noses and licking their hands and touching each other. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, that, I don't know. yeah. So it's just there's there's, there's no way. There's no way, and he, he but he's pushing real hard because the the rationale being that people can't go back to work if they have to be home with their kids. So if you make everything, this guy does is for himself. I am so sick of this blank show, aren't you? Yes, I can't. Yes, it, every day is like how evil can he go? The bar low goes lower no, and lower. Yeah. Now he's tweeting about delaying the election. Of course. Oh, jeez. Question the results of the election. He attacks. Yeah. The fairness of mail-in ballots. He's going to have his uh, AG, you know, grant him emergency powers to. I mean, this is all going to happen. He's going to. He's he's going to have to be forcibly removed from that 
from that throne of his. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I hope they do a, I hope they do a perp walk live. I, it, that would be, I, 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 I hope they you. do the Game of Thrones walk of shame, you know, or the, yeah. that'd be the <laughs> most amazing thing. Parade him straight down. Right down the street that says Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I have a friend who is a is a a a delegate, a California delegate, and uh, she was telling me that they, you know, they had their uh, meetings all weekend, just you know, for strategy and things going into the Democratic convention, and they spent a lot of time doing tabletop exercises about what to to do. Uh, if Trump refuses to leave, looking at all the various scenarios and things that he can pull to refuse to leave or to refuse to accept right. the results of the election should he lose. You right. know, so, I mean, it's it's just, it, this is like third world country stuff. Right. But that's because in third world countries, they have dictators that are lawless and, and, and also, you know, are, are criminals and this is to escape criminal prosecution. I mean, he has to, he doesn't want to lead anymore. He just wants to cling to this power to keep himself from getting put in prison. Well, you're absolutely right because there are are some New York state charges that he will, probably an indictment or more than one that he will face if he loses this election. They can't indict him while he's in the white house, uh, but if he wins the election, by the time he does the second term, the statutes and limitations will be up on the Correct. New York charges. If he loses the election, then it's 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 fair game. It's he fair and his family, been, you know, have been tax cheats for decades. Apparently, wouldn't his best bet be to um, like step down immediately and get Pence to? Um, Pardon him for anything. Pardon him before this election takes place. You know what no, I'm saying? No, and here's why: because a because a presidential pardon only works for federal charges. These are New York state charges. Oh, right. So he really does have to wait for the statute of limitations. So he has to be in for for four more years, regardless. And I'm yeah. sure Russia will help that occur. Well, the, the the reports are that Russia is spreading misinformation about the coronavirus again. Right. It, know circling back around and people are believing it mm-hmm. you know and what, what is this thing with i guess madonna got, got her tweet pulled down because she's spreading this information mm. but for anything first of all in 2020 why are you listening to madonna but certainly for medical advice was it the um tweeting about the doctor that believes that demon making out with demons is like bad what was the demon doctor? <laughs> the demon sperm that was, doctor? That, or whatever. That, that was Donald Trump Jr. that tweeted that out. Right, but I think they're all pushing this one the, this one doctor who's like into uh, voodoo or something. I don't know what she's into, but a lot of demon sperm stuff. More cabal. <laughs> Chris Riggins, Julia yes. Jackson, Jesse Egan, Bob Sarlat. Thanks for being on the headliners of the headlines. Always a pleasure to have you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, I am going to end the program uh, today with this because this is the day of the funeral of John Lewis. And John Lewis wrote an op-ed piece for the, uh, for the, the New York Times, and he asked that that op-ed piece be, play, be, uh, be published on the day of his funeral. Hmm. And here's just how he ends it. When historians pick up their pens to write the story of the 21st century, let them say that it was your generation who laid down the heavy burdens of hate at last and that peace finally triumphed over violence, aggression, and war. So I say to you, 
Walk with the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide. I'll check you out next week. Thank you so much. Yeah. See you, Brian. Copeland's Corner drops every Thursday. It's engineered by Charlene Goto and Casey Copeland. Original music by the Tearaways. Till next time, be kind to your neighbor. He knows where you live.